0: Hey, Uncommon Leaders, welcome back. This is the Uncommon Leader Podcast, and I'm your host, John Gallagher. Life is all about relationships. I believe that, and today's guest takes that to another level. So today on episode 48, I interview author Jesse Eubanks. He has a new book coming out soon titled, How We Relate, Understanding God, Yourself, and Others Through the Enneagram. As leaders, many of us have completed personality profiles before this, like the DISC or MBTI or some other assessment. You may have actually also discovered more about yourself and others through the Enneagram as well. I had not used the Enneagram before, so from a learning standpoint, this book was very educational for me. But the author also talks about, while many personality profiles are focused on the fruit we bear in our lives, the Enneagram is more concerned about the roots. I found that metaphor to be very profound. Using the tool of the Enneagram, this book explores the way each of us are uniquely wired as people, how Jesus earns our trust, and his invitation into a new way of doing relationships. Enjoy and listen through to the end to see how you can win a free copy of How We Relate. Let's get started. Jesse Eubanks, welcome to the Uncommon Leader podcast. Thank you for being a guest. How are you doing today? I'm good, John. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it, Jesse. It's a blessing to have you on, and I really do appreciate it, Jesse. I'll I'll jump right into this. I'll start you off with the first question. I always start my first time guests with, and that's to tell our listeners a story from your youth that still impacts who you are today as both a leader and as a person.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a couple that kind of come to mind. The first one actually in in. First grade, I really struggled as a student and I was sort of socially behind, relationally behind. You know, I, I struggle with some, some writing and some reading. And so I ultimately was hanging out with my best friend in first grade one day. His name was ironically, his name was Jesse. And that was also confusing because my father's name was Jesse. We also had a dog named Jesse. It, it was, it was a mess. And so, uh, so I'm hanging out with him and he says, you know, I heard your teacher say today she was talking to another parent about how they're gonna hold you back. And I said, no, they're not. They're I'm I'm going on to second grade. And he said, no, they said that they're gonna keep you back and you're gonna do first grade again. And sure enough, I did. I ended up repeating first grade. And it was a it was a very influential experience on a lot of levels for me because obviously it was a source of embarrassment all of my friends going on to the next grade but god really and ultimately ended up using that experience because i had a level of confidence because i'd done it before oh i know how this works i know this works i can show the other kids how to do the these you know various tasks and i know where the crayons are you know all of that stuff and so ultimately it ended up drawing out of me this sense of I am somebody that can use my presence to to lead other people through through circumstances. So that that's the first one that comes to mind. The second one, you know, I wasn't quite a youth, but 25 years old, I pitched this idea to this local homeless shelter about creating a gap year program. And I had, you know, I was not qualified. I I did not have the, you know, the the acumen, the education to be able to lead something like that. And this wonderful ministry director named Rick Brinney, who I will ever, forever be grateful for, decided to give me a shot and, and let me lead that program. And, and functionally what I do now at Love That Neighborhood. I mean, I've been doing that ever since. So 2005 to now, and I look back at, at Rick Brinney really giving me a shot, seeing something in me that I couldn't see in myself fully at the time. And I take that into my leadership now. I, I try to, to give people opportunities, even if on paper it doesn't look Like it makes all the most sense because I'm very grateful that that Rick did that for me.
0: Interesting. You said I'm just in conversations I've had recently with with clients about it just it doesn't seem to make sense, but I'm going to give you a chance in this space and what's possible. You know, what if it does work out? A lot of times it doesn't work out, but what if it does? And so Mm -hmm. to have that experience and to have someone have taken a shot on you and have it worked out well, and then it impacts who you are uh, as a leader as well is pretty powerful. So I, I appreciate you sharing both those stories. No doubt about it, they have impact on us long-term. And it's it's funny, even in our memories, how we forget where we put our keys five minutes ago. But some of those very specific situations of how people made us feel more than anything else, we remember who they were and make a difference in our lives. And it's easy to bring those back. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. See. But we're here today to talk about your book that's coming out, your first book, How We Relate. Understanding God, yourself, and others through the Enneagram. So I'm I'm very excited to get this started. When I had a chance just to do a little bit of research, getting ready, one of the things I had seen even before we jump into the book is that you are certified or qualified to deliver and facilitate the Enneagram. Now, when I think about the Enneagram, this was my first experience with it. I think about this personality profiles. I think about MBTI and those types of things, and it has some similarities to it, but Tell our listeners a little bit about what the Enneagram is and what you know, kind of makes you an expert. How do you help organizations to work with the Enneagram?
1: Yeah, so so the Enneagram is a tool for self-awareness and where other personality profiles tend to deal more with specifically more here are your gifts, here's the here's the evidence, the fruit of different aspects of your personality. The Enneagram deals with those things, but it is less concerned sort of with the fruit of the tree, it's really concerned with the roots. And one way of thinking about the Enneagram is this. The Enneagram operates on the idea that there are 9 core desires that all of us as people have. And somewhere in the mystery of nature and nurture, one of those desires becomes more important to us than any other desire. And and we ultimately end up organizing our personality and our relationships around that desire. And, And so, and there's there's good aspects of that and there's bad aspects of that. So there's, there's the Enneagram explores our true self, meaning who we were intended to be in Christ. We're attuned to other people. We're healthy. There's also our false self. What happens when all of this stuff goes sideways? What happens when I no longer trust God and other people and I begin to try to make my way in this world without needing to trust?
0: Thank you for that. No, and I, I love that. The, the, the visual of the, tree, if you will, is very helpful for me where the personality profile is the fruit, how I end up coming, showing out the Enneagram. And you use this word, the awareness is very helpful to me as I even look back on reading your book now is that it's the roots. It truly is, you know, going way back and and understanding who we are from that standpoint. So I I appreciate that going through. And I'm curious, I know that, you know, the Enneagram and, and teaching it to fortune 500 companies and things like that, Look, it's not, necessarily a faith-based tool. You've been able to draw that correlation with your with our relationship and our faith. Tell me, you know, where or when did you gain that awareness specifically as to to bring those two pieces together, your faith and the Enneagram tool? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm also realizing I didn't fully respond to your question a moment ago. You're asking a little bit about how we use it to help people in the workplace as well. Yeah, we do. We have a, we have a faith based approach and then we have a corporate approach. And then at the end of the corporate approach, we tell people, Hey, the business isn't paying for this part. If you want to stay around you want to figure out how Christians resolve some of these huge life crisis, existential issues, we've drug out into the open. We'd love to talk with you a little bit about that. Yeah, the the, the folks that train me in the Enneagram are, we're both former pastors, really wonderful ministry called Crosspoint Ministry, Rich Plass and Jim Cofield. They wrote a great book called The Relational Soul, highly recommend it. And these folks train me in Enneagram and their foundation for how they approached the Enneagram was so fundamentally oriented in Christian faith that uh, that when I began to sort of wade into these waters, that was the perspective I came from. Only then to realize that the broader conversations going on around the Enneagram, a lot of them have nothing to do with faith. It's sort of just sort of a psychological profile. And then in the course of of, of studying the Enneagram, I kept sort of wishing that there was a book that would really explore the heart of Jesus himself and how that relates to who I am as a person. Um, And I kept coming across these really wonderful authors that had done some exploration of the character of Jesus and how it relates to the Enneagram. But then I was also coming across this really great, insightful work being done by folks that were not faith-based. And and I really just wanted a book that would bring those two things together and bridge that gap. And so I think in the end, I, I ended up, Trying to write the book that I myself wish that I had had when I first came into the Enneagram.
0: Mm, I like that. I mean, it, again, the <laughs> expectation going in is that it's just a tool. But what you're finding within that is not that it's not just a tool that you can use, but it's something that is truly at the heart of who you are. And yeah. again, for those who have the ability to allow, if you will, Afford the opportunity for their faith to be a part of their work it can be pretty powerful, and I, I think of that when those two circles start to overlap, where your faith, you know, is not like you don't separate your work and your faith. You mentioned that as companies say the, the corporate part is paying for the corporate part. If you want to hang around and talk about the free part that is faith afterwards, imagine the power of those companies bringing those two things together. And yeah. I, I understand the differences and things like that. So let's let's take that and jump it in right to the book. So who's the person? that's reading how we relate and, and what do you want them to get out of the book when, when they're reading it?
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of folks are going to come to the book in particular, you know, one of my friends that, that really encouraged me to write it is he's the chair of, of a very large university psychology department. I mean, very well respected and he really encouraged me to pursue writing this book. He felt like it was needed. That being said, you know, here's a guy that's got an, 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 An incredible education, incredible psychological insights. On the other hand, about two and a half years ago, I was leading a workshop in Gatlinburg for a church. They'd asked me to come in and lead this this marriage workshop. And the majority of the people in the room were actually people that were on their second and third marriages. There was a lot of, there was a lot of history of substance abuse. There was a lot of trauma in the room. And so I'm rolling in and I'm going, oh my gosh, is, is this really going to be helpful for the folks in this room? And so I spend a day and a half, you know, I go through, we, we do our workshop. And at the end, this guy comes up to me who was an auto mechanic and he goes, he goes, man, I just want to tell you, I thought that when you got here, that it was going to be a big old waste of my time. And he goes. This is some of the most important stuff I've ever heard. It's going to going to really impact my marriage and I just wanted to thank you. And to me that was a a revelation moment where I realized this this work that I'm doing, you know, folks that are white collar business people, high education people and also folks that are just the salt of the earth, there is something here to offer to everybody. So whether you're coming to this book wishing you know, I wish that my spouse understood me more. I wish I could understand my kids more, whether it's I'm, I'm trying to figure out my relationships with my friends, my coworkers, the people at church, your neighbors. This book is a pathway to self-awareness, but it's also a pathway to have much greater insight into the way that other people are wired and why in the world you see and respond to the world so differently. And it's, it'll help you depersonalize those differences and I say that to say it will help you not take those differences so personally and and understand that that literally
0: we don't see the world the same way Jesse thank you for for that response there I could almost drop the mic and it actually it validates some of the feelings that I had when I read through it that I absolutely had self-awareness as to where I am on one of those nine types we're going to get into those types. But I also found myself, and I did the exercise you said, write down where you think you are. Make. I had an index card as I read through each of the nine types, and I was like, where are my tendencies within this, and who am I? But I also started to write other names down of the other types where I had observed this in others and to say, oh, wow, I understand more now about that person after reading this book. And again, bringing the faith side of it in just kind of multiplied the impact for me as to what's possible and how I deal with that. So I want to mm-hmm. thank you for that answer and I want to give you some validation that that's exactly how I read the book. So those of you, you know, get a copy of the book, go through this, you're going to have a feeling and if you listen all the way to the end in my outtakes, I'll give you a chance to get a free copy of this book as well that I'll send to you and give you a chance to get there. So this that is really cool. So and actually let me let me jump into the types then. I mean, someone new to enneagram, you know, the <laughs> the opportunity is when you have nine types and you read the second one, I'm like, oh, yep, there's me. I'm done reading it. And maybe you've kind of answered this already, but why is it that we really need to be aware of all nine types that are out there?
1: Well, I think on the one hand, there's this, you know, for shorthand, each of us will say, I'm a blank, I'm a type two, I'm a type three, type four. But the reality is that these are nine types. Attributes and that we actually possess all nine to greater or lesser degrees. So while we each of us do I with one core type that that is the lead dog on the sled. It's, it's leading all the others. The truth is that we do have all nine types and we need to understand which of these other, these other qualities, those other eight, which of them am I embracing and which of them I am I rejecting? Because there are consequences when we are relinquishing. Things that God intends for us to have. And so, so it is, it's important that we understand all nine. And also, you know, don't just go and read about yourself because you're really only getting half the impact. So, sure, you're going to grow in some degree of self-awareness, but we we don't want to, you know, provoke narcissism. We want to we want to encourage folks to be curious about other people so that you can empathize better, so you can connect with others more deeply and have more meaningful relationships.
0: Jesse, I, I, I appreciate that as well. I smile as I as I chat with you. I know we won't do a video podcast. It'll just be audio. But just, again, you keep affirming some of the things that I read. So I think you, know, you and I are very well aligned and can probably find that. I, I do have, again, my... Uh, Listeners generally are leaders. It's the uncommon leader podcast. And those, don't get me wrong, I have family members that listen and and things like that. But those that would lend itself, if you will, I'm going to, I'm going to stereotype a leader many times, especially those that are growing in their roles as type threes. They're achievers. That's identified as achiever. And so outside of that, where they, I'm not trying to pen everybody in there, but how can leaders use this book to help grow their leadership skills? You work with companies and things like that. How do the leaders use it? Leaders that lack self-awareness are
1: a danger and a liability to their team because you don't understand how you're relating to people. You don't understand what gifts you're bringing or not bringing. And leaders that fail... To really understand those that they are leading, you are prone to either bulldoze them or dismiss them. To to miscalculate what their capacities are. Our our job as leaders is not only to have self awareness, but to really have other awareness as well. And the Enneagram is a is a tool that can equip leaders to have greater self awareness and more awareness about their team. There is no way that when you're reading this book that you're not going to have moments, flashes, where you're going to go, oh my gosh, that employee that works for me, suddenly I now understand why they're responding to me the way they are in that staff meeting. Why when I sent them that email, they reacted the way that they did. And we no longer live in an age where leaders can afford to not have high relational IQ. If if you're a leader, the burden is on you to, to have a lot of relational IQ, to really understand how you're wired and how other people are wired, um, and ultimately, what will happen is you will be capable of of leading your team to to
0: much greater success than without it. Amen, brother. I can't I can't stress enough. Again, those those light bulbs that come on with relationships that you have. Again, whether it's at work or within your family or within your friendships that you have, it's it's all there. And again, as you as you read this book there is an understanding god component there's a there's a grounded in faith component to this book that maybe not all leaders will I'll use the term embrace wherever they are in their faith journey the fact is that the the uncommon component is such that leaders don't try to separate their life into work and faith so for those leaders who are looking to you know build their faith you know, what message do you have for them with this book as well.
1: Here's the reality, all of us, all of us as people, and especially I think I think that leaders feel a particular temptation towards this is that we believe that that our successes are who we are and our failures are who we are. And the the truth is that that uh God invites us into a life where we can allow our we can keep our successes from going to our head and we can keep our failures from going to our heart. Tim Keller said that years ago, and that stuck with me. And I think that part of what this book will get at is it it will invite you to not use work as an attempt to cover up the deeper issues that you continue to struggle with in life. Mm -hmm. We as leaders especially can feel a real temptation to put on a persona. As long as my company's growing, as long as my team is thriving, as long as the bank account is doing well, then I'm okay as a person. And the reality is that all of life is about relationships. It's not about whether the company is growing, you know, it's not about the bottom line of the dollar. It's about, are the relationships in your life flourishing? Because at the end of the day, when you put your head on the pillow, the thing that really makes your life feel meaningful is the quality of your relationships. And so this this book is an invitation for leaders to keep first things first, which is to take take care of and tend to those relationships and then out of those healthy, vibrant relationships with God and other people, then you're in a position to go conquer that mountain. Then you're in a position to go have this great objective, you know, to go out into the world, to help other people, to grow your business or to lead your organization. So so this is an invitation to remind leaders about what really matters and
0: and to reprioritize things in the right order. Jesse, I love that. I appreciate that you know the invitation exists, that there are intentions inside of this book and there's an invitation to make something different happen. You know, Just as something that I really took from it as well, and again, it's a way of how I'm wired that was really good, is that the chapter flow has a very specific structure that you walk it through. You define the type, you talk about your true self, your false self, you take it back to childhood and how that could have impacted who you are from that standpoint, uh, how to nurture your false self. But then Ultimately, telling the story that there's no right or wrong, that Jesus in His relationship with you empathize, empathizes with all of the true and false components, if you will, of your enneagram and and who you are and who you show yourself as. I think that's really powerful. And then I love how you finish up with the discipleship and the tips. You know, some active tips that could go on. So again, the the structure in and of itself is that how you would structure an enneagram. Uh, for a company that say, you know, here's the steps you need to take and and pull it in. And then maybe you pull out the encounter with Jesus if it's a corporate company that you go forward. Is that how yeah. it works?
1: Yeah. So, you know, so there's a there's this Fortune 500 company that we do regular work with. And the way that we typically approach things with them is that we actually do a pre-workshop called Mapping Your Enneagram Story, where we help people identify the top 20 turning points in their life before they turn 20. So those are like the foundation. These are like the things that really we built who we are out of. And then we'll usually do that virtually and then we'll fly down and go spend time with this company and we'll do like a seven hour all day Enneagram workshop and it is it's that flow we'll go through the uh, the healthy side the unhealthy side we'll go through the childhood and adolescence we'll we'll go through what does it look like to to live a healthier life and then and then the last day that we're with them we'll either do a half day or another full day of the Enneagram in the workplace so we'll actually explore what does it look like when this personality is showing up in the workplace how are we? Experiencing one another. What does it mean if I'm the boss? What does it mean if I'm working under a boss? Yeah. And so, so we do, we, we come in and we try to offer companies real value for
0: growing in their self awareness so that teams can thrive. Excellent. Love that. And again, anytime you can put a process like that, those pillars in play, it can be pretty powerful for somebody to be able to see. And I'm sure, you know, if you think about, you mentioned a Fortune 500 company without revealing any names, which of those, it's called workshops, if you will, has had mm-hmm. the most impact on you as an individual and delivering that work for them as well. Is there one that sticks out to you?
1: I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing experience to watch the, the the transition from when somebody, you know, we do the two hour mapping your Enneagram story workshop. So to see somebody do that and then the next day come and do the full seven hour workshop and you can just see, it's not like lightning bolts. I mean, it's not like light bulbs. It's like lightning bolts going off. I mean, just these huge revelation moments and then I do. I love the next day as well when we can start to get into the specific team dynamics of, of what's going on, and you begin to realize two things. One, you see Chris having more sympathy for other coworkers; they're less frustrated by that person. But then you also see, oh my gosh, this is my issue. This is what I'm bringing to the table. That's both good and bad. And I, and and seeing people try to take ownership of that. I mean, just the. The the flow from day one, you know, to the end of day three is just such a an incredible journey to
0: sit in a room with people and watch. It's 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 pretty amazing. That's cool. No, I appreciate you sharing that. When i well, I look at the clock and realize how much time, how fast my time has gone, how much I've enjoyed this conversation. I know those that are listening to this are going to enjoy it as well. But I want to honor your time as well. I hope we get a chance to stay in touch in the future. I'm going to kind of give you the last question that I always ask those. And then I'm going to ask you how people can get in touch and, and learn more about your book. But Jesse, I'm going to give you a billboard you can put anywhere. It doesn't matter where it is, but you get to put anything on that billboard that you want to for millions of people to see. What does it say on that billboard and, and why do you put that on there? Years ago, I heard a guy quote,
1: and I don't know the origin. So if you're listening to this, and you know the origin of this, you, you can reach out and tell me. But it's this really great question that I think tells us a lot about who we are and about what we think about the nature of life and the question is this what do you think god thinks of when god thinks of you what do you think god thinks of when god thinks of you and there's so much substance in how we answer that question do we think that god is fond of us do we think god is angry with us do we think that god is a is a good parent do we think that god is distant and cold. You know, there's so many things that can come out. So I think that I would put that there because I I would want to do I would want to do a billboard with a question, you know, a question that allows people to to reflect. You know, we live in an age where we're just so task driven. And it's very easy, you know, especially I'm getting I'm 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 43. I've gotten I'm getting into the second half of life. And you get to a place where you just go, I don't know that I want to do things exactly the same way as I did before. I was very busy. You know, maybe, maybe I want to do something with a little more substance in this, in the second half. And so, uh, so that's why I would do that question.
0: Jesse, I love it. It's actually the first time somebody's asked to put a question on the billboard. So feel unique, feel uncommon, feel different. That's pretty cool. And I know, you know, we've had some good conversation beforehand about different and what that means as well. Uh, Jesse, again, I've, I've truly enjoyed this conversation with you today. I wish you the best with your book coming out soon. Let me have you provide you this opportunity to, Let folks know where they can stay in touch with you as well as get more information about the book.
1: Yeah, if you want to pick up a copy of How You Relate, uh, sorry, How We Relate, you can head over to HowWeRelateBook.com. It's also available anywhere you get books. So, you know, Amazon or your local bookseller. So you can head there. You can also head over to LoveThyNeighborhood.org. That is the organization that I lead. You can learn more about our workshops, the Anycast podcast. You can learn more about our video courses that we offer, and then, and then finally, we do offer for various organizations. And so, if that is something that interests you, again, head over to LoveThatNeighborhood.org, and you can learn all about all about our workshops. We would love to come and spend time with you and your team. We also offer some
0: private coaching. So there's there's lots of options for uh, for you if those are things that interest you. Excellent. Well, again, Jesse, thank you so much for your time today, investing it with the listeners of the Uncommon Leader Podcast. I wish you the best. Thank you, John. I found myself smiling so much in this interview. Jesse is a good communicator. And if you enjoyed the interview, you'll definitely enjoy the book. Would you be interested in getting a free copy? Let me tell you how you can do that. One of the things that helps this podcast is reviews from you, the listener. Now that review can help you as well. So do this. Take the time to write a review on Apple Podcasts, then take a screenshot of that review and email it to me at john at growingchampions.net with your mailing address, and I'll send a copy of the book right to your house. You can also learn more about Jesse Eubanks and his book at howwerelatebook.com. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Leader Podcast, making it part of your personal development journey. Please take just a minute to share this podcast with that someone you know that you thought of when you heard this episode. Until next time, go and grow champions.